Christmas, everybody! It's me, Santa Claus. And what do you little boys want for Christmas this year? An Xbox One. Yeah. Hungry, hungry hippos for Xbox. <laughs> and how does that work, little boy? You're Santa Claus. You can like make stuff. Can't you uh, get your elves to like develop that game? Yes, the programming department is always expanding at the North Pole. Alright, just, uh, just do that. Real talk, I think that would suck as a as a video game. Hungry Hungry yeah, Hippos. Yeah, you'd just be jamming on the same just button. jamming on over buttons. <laughs> what makes Hungry Hungry Hippos satisfying is that it's, it's real. Yeah. Well, maybe you could build, like, a, a periphery. Like an actual, like, Hungry Hungry Hippos controller that you just jam down on. Or like a helmet. Yeah. A helmet? What do you need the helmet for? You just, like, stretch out your neck a bunch? The helmet? Oh, uh, so you're the Hungry Hungry Hippos? Yeah. <laughs> you have to keep reaching your neck out? That sounds really tiring, and, like, it would probably... Uh, you know, it's pretty... Probably be bad for your neck. Welcome to uh, Top Ten Thursdays, the list-making podcast uh, for America by Americans. Uh, we are Sean Lemmy, John Otney, Colin Westman, and uh, Matt Carson's unable to make it today. It's been naughty uh, this year. So naughty. Um, but in his place, we have no one. Hooray. Oh, I would have been so excited, Sean, if you just <laughs> pulled out some character and you started doing a voice. <laughs> I don't know who that could have been. Could have been Santa. <laughs> I'd like to hear how he feels about uh, these Christmas movies we'll be talking about. I'd like to think Santa's pretty humble about his uh, his work, and so he's kind of embarrassed when these movies come out. Mm. Like He'd be like, oh, it's just not that big a deal. Just all in a day's work. The elves do most of the work. Alright. Uh, well, before we go down the list... And of our it... top ten Christmas movies. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and check it twice. Yeah. Uh, I got a few honorable mentions. I feel like I should get out there. Okay. Uh, first of all, I was going to go with uh, Christmas Carol, the 50s version. I feel like there's so many versions... Um, I think we did put, end up putting a, a version on here, one that was more for our generation, but there's a, a good one from the 50s with Alistair Sim. Uh, check it out, I guess, if you're not averse to watching movies that are like 60 years old. I'm not. I also put Black Christmas, which is a horror movie from the 70s. It's actually good. It's directed by Bob Clark, who uh, directed A Christmas Story. 
So that's pretty weird because this movie's super violent. It's from Canada, and hmm. it's about like this. There's this unseen killer. You only see it it's from his POV, so you like just see his like his hands reaching out all the time, like Doom. And uh, mm-hmm. he goes around strangling people. And I, it's kind of like a precursor for like Halloween, like but before Halloween. But since it was Canadian, you know, nobody saw it and wasn't a big hit or anything. <laughs> Uh, but that that's a good one too. And also, Rare Exports is a movie from about three years ago from Finland, which is about these people in the mountains. They're then this little humble town, and then they find that like Santa Claus are like, like plural Santa Claus are like these crazy old men that you find in the wilderness, and they like, you know, eat people and stuff, and they try to round them up. It's really weird, but it's pretty funny. And then I also put Scrooged. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. Bill Murray. I, I mean, it's probably better than some of the movies we did put on our list. I saw it for but... the first time like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all right. But yeah, it's just one that's never really resonated with me. Like, I can only think of a few scenes offhand. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, I had Bill Murray, I probably be, you know, wouldn't be on my radar at all. Like, if it starred, you know, James Caan. Do you remember when I made the uh, the first ever T3 on our blog, mm-hmm. Bill Murray movies? Um, I put Kingpin on that list. You guys were like, you should have put Scrooged in that spot. And Meatballs. I hadn't seen Meatballs. Three-way tie. Have you seen it uh, now? No. Well, that's a good summer movie. So not... Now is not the time to see it. I don't think I just I just don't think it'd be appropriate. All right, I'll hold off then. Well, that's all I have for honorable mention. I don't know if anyone else wants to throw any names out there. I didn't really think about it. And I think we discluded like uh, Christmas specials. Too damn short. Yeah, and also we tried to mainly avoid uh, like holiday adjacent movies. Like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Lethal Weapon. Or all of Shane Black's movies. <laughs> yeah, Iron Man 3, basically. <laughs> um, but Die Hard is still on the list for some reason. I guess because it's just always part of the conversation. It's just too good. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ignore it. Uh, and yeah, this is just Christmas movies, right? No one has a secret Hanukkah movie or... I can't think of any Hanukkah movies. Is Prince of Egypt nights. a Hanukkah movie? Eight Crazy Nights. Have you seen Eight Crazy Nights? No, I haven't. Have you? No. Okay. That's good. I'd be. It'd be. I'm glad that no one's seen it. I feel like at some point in Sean's early childhood, he had faint interest in seeing it. Damn you, Sean. That that might be completely false. I I don't remember ever feeling like I needed to see. It. I feel like when it was first marketed, I didn't like understand what it was. Like I didn't understand that it was a Hanukkah movie. Yeah. I don't know how. I'm sure it seems pretty obvious. I was young and naive. Anyway, the first uh, Christmas movie on our list is Bad Santa. Bad Santa. She's a Terry Zwagoff movie, which is interesting because he hasn't made that many movies. He's done Ghost World and Crumb. And this is a movie I remember when I saw commercials for it, I was like, oh, this looks, you know, really terrible. Like, it looked like a National Lampoon's type thing, like, Bad Santa. You know, like, I'm just like, where's Sean William Scott? He's going to show up any minute, isn't he? Or Eugene Levy or something. 
but it's it's so much better than that. It's so much darker than that. It's almost like a drama how sad it is. You have Billy Bob Thornton playing this um mall Santa and that's that's basically what he does most of the year and um he's got a like little dwarf guy with him and what they do is they go, you know, to a mall for the Christmas season. They do the whole Santa thing. He doesn't even do it good. I don't know how he gets to do the job. Because uh, I guess because he has like a dwarf, he has like actually has his own elf. Um, but then him and the, his his dwarf friend always rob the store, and then they live off that money through the rest of the year. But then by the end of the year, he's out of money, so they have to do it again. And the movie focuses mainly around they're going to, I think it was like Phoenix, Arizona, at this this mall, and it it's all hot and deserty, and it's got all this Christmas music. And they go there, and he does his shtick, and he's intoxicated, like pissing his pants. And John Ritter is like the mall manage, manager, and he's, you know, having trouble with uh, his antics. So he sends like Bernie Mac to like, investigate. And probably the only time I've ever liked Bernie Mac. I mean, not that he wasn't talented, he's just never in anything I wanted to see. You didn't like him in the Oceans movies? Uh, I, I don't even remember. That movie has so many guys. I totally <laughs> forgot he's even in it. Um, but the, the the humor is so dark. But it's it's really funny. And uh, something I find interesting is I've actually read somewhere that the Coen Brothers did like an uncredited rewrite or something. They produced the movie, hmm. and it does almost feel a little like. In, in in their vein, I mean, they never they definitely have never done anything this raunchy, but I I can feel them a little bit. I mean, especially with the casting of Billy Bob Thornton, because they're you know they've used him a handful of times. And uh, I should probably also point out that he forms this relationship with this like fat lonely kid who's pretty funny. Like he's probably the best part of the whole movie. Have you guys seen this movie? Yeah. <laughs> We watched it all together did last we? Christmas. I don't didn't even we? remember. Yeah, I think we did. Because I always said, like, oh, I want to, but I don't remember if it ever happened. No, it happened. Because I've seen it a lot, so it's hard to remember. Yeah, that was that was the second time I'd seen it. Mm-hmm. Don't you guys like it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't like it as much the second time I saw it. Maybe just because it... It's more like I appreciate how dark of a place it, it chooses to go into as a Christmas movie, but it does leave kind of a left kind of a weird taste in my mouth. I don't know, maybe I was just looking for Christmas cheer that time of the year. Bad Santa doesn't quite deliver it. I mean, yeah, it's definitely kind of like the opposite of what you expect from a Christmas movie. It makes you like you go in and you're sadder coming out. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, there's are some... you? I, I feel mean, like the movie went with a pretty happy ending. I mean, happy enough. The, um, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but I will. Billy Thornton, Billy Thornton does go to jail, but he probably is going to get out. And I guess the kid is okay. But like right before that, you know, he gets shot a bunch of times. I guess, I guess he lives. Well, I don't know. And then people get killed and stuff. And I mean, it's kind of dark. I guess it has a happy ending. Happy enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think anyone who who's you know looks at this and like, oh, it's probably too stupid, like National Lampoon bullshit, should really you know give it a, a second chance because there's so much more than that. I I feel like 
this movie for me had the problem that like most like Saturday Night Live sketches have, where it's like really funny at the beginning and it's a great setup, uh, but then they're stuck with it in the middle and the end, and they have to make it work and they have to make the story keep going. And uh, I was less interested just as time went on, and it be- became about uh, Billy Bob Thornton developing the relationship with this kid. Which I just didn't think was as funny as him being hella drunk and a terrible mall Santa Claus. You know, I'm kind of the opposite. I, for me, that relationship with Thurman Merman is my favorite part of the movie. Because well, it's that, like... Oh, that's is that his name. real name or the that's character's, character's name? Okay. I remember because he shows up like his report card. Yeah, it's like Thurman Merman. Is this Merman, your name? You serious? <laughs> it's got like a bunch of like C minuses and Ds and Fs. It's like, are you proud of me? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess. I never got no B before. I think there's one B on there or something. Like, yeah, I, I like that. that really yeah, I like, I like the stuff with the kid as well. He's just such an or, odd little character. Or when he makes him a gift and he, like, cuts him in his hand and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> and Bill Thornton pours alcohol all over it. And then he finds out later that he made him a wooden pickle, but it's, like, covered in blood. <laughs> wooden pickle. Like he's so bad with like kids, but he's he's you know he's trying a little bit with this kid, and I find that touching in like the weirdest way. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. Uh, let's see. Let's move. Let's move ahead to okay. a Christmas story. Everyone's seen a Christmas story. They play it like eight hundred times a year. They sure what? do. Have you guys gotten sick of it? No. Oddly not. <laughs> Just because, yeah, I, I really love this movie. But, yeah, I think it's okay if, if you just end up seeing it once a year. Yeah. And then it's hard to get sick of it, you know? I mean, there are other movies that they play on TV just all year round. Like the Lord of the Rings trilogy on TNT, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Christmas quit hating on Lord of the Rings, Tom. I can't stop, Sean. I think A Christmas Story works so well because it has so many great little moments. So you can come in at any point in the film like, oh, here's that scene. Here's that scene. You know, all these little, these little bits that are all classic and, you know, catchy or iconic or whatever in their own way. Uh, I, I personally like Ralphie's fantasies the best. Like he has that one where he goes blind from, like, soap poisoning. So he's all crying. He's like, yeah, that'll show him. But my... I think my favorite part of the whole movie is when he writes the paper uh, for his class about what he wants for Christmas, and he thinks it's really good, but it's really not that like impressive. It's it's just like a paper that's just like all I want for Christmas is a red rider BB gun with a compass in the stock and this thing which tells time. <laughs> and then there's that fantasy where his teacher's reading it, and she you know she's like and this thing which tells time, poetry, sheer poetry, Ralphie A plus. And she just writes a bunch of pluses. She fills up a whole chalkboard with pluses. <laughs> yeah, just I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm always just a fan of all the stuff with with the dad played by Darren McGavin, just because I don't know. I I also have a Midwestern dad who, who who's kind of in that same like he can fix anything type of mindset, and especially all the stuff where he's getting pissed at the dogs. <laughs> Especially for eating this turkey, that's always fun. Or how about when he's trying to fix, you know, the tire and the kid messes up? And I feel like every 
kid has had that with their father where they're trying to help their dad with one thing you know fixing one thing or something like that and they can't even do that and they mess up and mm. somehow get in trouble <laughs> like even for a movie set in the like 40s it can still be relatable yeah because you know when you're a kid you you you'd fantasize about things you you or around christmas time you're just oh you're focused on something it's, it's you know it's all you can think about that's gonna that's change your life. That's what I love about the movie is it it reminds you what it's like when you're a kid and like your mind is just on Christmas all the time. It is literally, not... literally the greatest thing that happens to you as a child. And of course, it's it's all about the presents and uh, you guys know there's no delusions of like I'm gonna give this to someone and he'll be so happy. It's just I want this one thing <laughs> and that's all that's gonna be on my mind for a month. I mean, once I he has that. it, he can shoot that. robbers and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Save his family. Um, but I, mean, I mean, we could go on describing, like, all the moments and scenes and lines, but uh, I feel like everybody knows them, you know? Yeah, it's it just seems to be a really universal movie. I'm, I'm guessing that's why it's on TV all the time, every year. Either that or it's just really cheap for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, family fun. Another movie that's family fun, uh, Christmas Vacation. Yeah. I'm be honest, um, I've never been a big fan. Really? <laughs> yeah, I've never I don't seen know. It. It's it's fine. Um, I can't remember. I I, I like the part where Chevy Chase is in the attic and like falls through. Right, the roof. Yeah, this movie basically succeeds based on how much you want to see uh, Clark Griswold get horribly injured by things around his house, uh, because that's pretty much all it's about. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I do get it. I, when I was a kid, we did have you know family come and stay with us for Christmas, sometimes a couple times. Like I remember what that's like. Um, we didn't have anyone as weird as Randy Quaid come by in his camper. Um, but it's, it's, it's just a, a, a fun sort of slapsticky movie. I mean, he electrocutes himself and gets crushed and animals attack him and stuff. It's all good. I, I mean, I guess if, if you guys aren't that big on it, there's no reason to have it on the list. I mean, it, it, it has a reputation. It has a big fan base. But I'm trying to remember, is there something that drove the plot to that movie? In my, in my recollection, it's just a series of unfortunate events to Clark Griswold. Like, does anything, is he working towards something? Just putting on the best Christmas, is that it? Uh, yeah, I believe it was just he wants to, to put together a great Christmas. And, you know, so he covers the house with lights, and then they don't turn on, and then they do turn on, and they explode, and they blind everybody. Um... <laughs> And then the the relatives show up, and there are weird disasters related to that. And and they believe the movie ends with uh... Clark dying. <laughs> His funeral. There's, I think it, there's an explosion for some reason. <laughs> I I believe something explodes at the end. Um, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is really great. This is really happy." There's a happy explosion. <laughs> Explain that for me. What the what hell is, is a happy explosion? Did, did it eliminate some sort of threat? 
or hindrance to Christmas. Oh God, I really got to think now. What was this movie about? Well, they were the neighbors, right? Yeah. They blew up their house. <laughs> just goes over there. It's like, wow. This is my Christmas! <laughs> Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. That sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't. I, I don't think it was heroic, but there, there's <laughs> definitely an heroic explosion. Explosion. Heroic, happy explosion. I don't know, I Something like to do with with sludge. <laughs> <laughs> All these little pieces make this sound really interesting. I wish I could sludge in a happy explosion. But yeah, uh, that stuff. I, like I think I'm gonna watch this. I think I'll watch this movie again this Go Christmas it, yeah. season, and I'll, I'll tell you guys later, off the air. You know, one last thing. I think uh, one thing in particular that always disappointed me about this movie, it's so minor, is that as a kid, I'd see it come on, and it had that animated opening. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what's this? Is this going to be some animated movie? I'm like, no, it's not. It's just Chevy Chase. Like, did you ever get that? Like, you don't see that as much anymore. Like, movies that open with animated credits and like animated people and you're like no it's not not animated that was always my problem as a kid with the Pink Panther movies oh seriously what a jip as if a movie about a pink cartoon panther would have been better as a kid sure I guess as a kid you could just watch that and you're like oh I'm done I'm going to the next one (laughs) and let's do that let's move on to our next one okay immortal classic Die Hard Teased it earlier. Oh, so awesome. Now, can we think of all the the parts of this movie that actually have something to do with Christmas? Well, it's a Christmas party, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And I'm I'm guessing they play a Christmas song at the very beginning of the movie when he's coming into town. They definitely right? do at the end. They probably do at the beginning. Was that part where John McClane like kills that dude and he dresses him up as Santa? And he's like, ho ho ho! I got a machine gun. Yeah. I'm like that's that's pretty clever. It's like oh yeah, Santa into his murder. Yeah, that's the part when you remember. Oh yeah, this is on Christmas. <laughs> they had to remind you. And don't you think that movie would have been even better had John McClane dressed up like Santa Claus and got around killing everybody, and then they're like, Santa Claus is taking us out. Hmm? Uh, I don't, and here's why. <laughs> uh... What makes Die Hard work is that Bruce Willis seems like a regular dude. And if he was a crazy man dressed as Santa Claus... It's not to be crazy if you dressed as Santa Claus. Are you saying Santa Claus is crazy? A little bit. The whole world in one night. You'd have to be a bad man to make that possible. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I can't imagine... I mean, if, if you if you go that low... I mean, it's like, it's like Batman, you know. He can't act all hurt while he's in the costume. He's got to take it off. To be like, ouch, I'm all hurt. <laughs> ouch, I'm all hurt. <laughs> you know, like that. Where's your the Batman dark script, Sean? <laughs> Batman saves Christmas. Who played Batman in your version of Batman, Sean? The one where he's all hurt? Yeah. Um. Does he just complain a lot about how he's hurt? Oh, yeah, I think I'd like. No. I don't know. There's no wrong answer here. Batman. Who could play Batman? And you're Batman. 
I, I was going to say, I, I like uh, Adam Scott dressed up as Batman in that one Parks and Rec episode. <laughs> he definitely seems like a Batman that would complain about his wounds. <laughs> I'm hurt. I'd like to see a little more of that. With Rob Riggle as a Joker? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be weird to see the Joker be, or be so much bigger than, than the Batman. <laughs> Tables have turned. Oh yeah, Die Hard. Anyways, yeah. you know something I've always been interested about is Die Hard's based off of a book. I've always wondered how similar it is to that book, the, a book called Nothing Lasts Forever. Could you imagine if the movie had been called Nothing Lasts Forever? Um, yeah, I think so. Weird. I mean, I can imagine they call the sequel Nothing Lasts Forever, or. <laughs> And then nothing lasts forever with a vengeance. <laughs> a good day for nothing to last forever. <laughs> What's the one I'm missing? Live free or, or nothing, nothing lasts forever. <laughs> kind of poetic in a way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I think aside from that book having... Uh, some sort of cop in like a, like a big 40 story building or something I don't know that it has any and I think it's, it is on Christmas but his name isn't even John McClane or, I feel like it's pretty different no one ever talks about it so it must be not that impressive yeah I didn't even know Die Hard kicks ass it's got one of the greatest action you know heroes and one of the greatest action villains I think so Hans Gruber like that yeah. part when he's American. We're, Classic we're, part. Where America found out Alan Rickman does the absolute worst American. Yeah, my name's Clay. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard to judge if that's really Alan Rickman's best American accent, or if or if it's just how he imagined Hans Gruber would act in that kind of situation. Yeah, there's a lot of layers. <laughs> hmm. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm finding out some shit on Wikipedia about Die Hard. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm finding out some shit about Nothing Lasts Forever on Wikipedia. <laughs> Let's see. Die, Die Hard is said to be based on Nothing Lasts Forever. It's a sequel to another novel, which itself had been adapted into a 1968 film of the same name starring Frank Sinatra. Fox was contractually obligated to offer Sinatra the lead role in Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> But he turned it down, and the film was instead pitched as a sequel to the 1985 action film Commando. <laughs> and then Schwarzenegger turned it down. Schwarzenegger <sighs> was offered to star in Die Hard. Oh, God. <laughs> but in a that... way, it may not have worked. Because like you were saying, Sean, what's so great about Die Hard is that Bruce Willis is the everyman. Arnold Schwarzenegger is not the everyman. He would have dressed up as Santa just <laughs> mowed people down with a <laughs> minigun. Can you imagine how big the body count would be? Be huge. kill miss. <laughs> there would be like good. <laughs> Seasons beatings. God, you, just, you can't imagine Arnold being like a regular guy. That's what. Well, I mean, we'll get to this in a little bit. But like, I always find it weird. And like, when Arnold's in a non-action movie, he's like, why is this one character so ripped? And why is he Austrian? <laughs> and they always have to explain. Well, they don't usually explain it. But it's like I'm thinking that. Like, how did this happen? 
but like I said, we'll get to that. I'm super excited to talk about that. But yeah, Die Hard, one of the greatest action movies of all time, and it's got Christmas in it. Win-win. It sure does. It has it has enough, I guess, for us. Unlike all other holiday set movies. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it feels right. This is a really good movie. I watch it all the time. I think you just need an excuse to watch Die Hard, so you mm-hmm. kind of uh, jump at the fact that it has the Christmas things. You could just watch it every Christmas, I guess. Totally. Now we can go ahead to a more recent uh, Christmas classic of sorts, Elf. We all saw this in theaters a couple times, actually. I believe me and Sean saw it twice. So. Did I? No, you're mistaking Sean with me. Colin. Yeah. Sorry. I saw it with you. Why did we see it? Did we see it before? Yeah, we saw it, and then we saw it again for Sean. Yeah, we saw it with Sean and Nancy, because they're like, "You guys gotta see Elf. It's hilarious." And I think that was uh, that was the time that Nancy actually brought like a child's booster seat into the theater and sat on it. She must have been like fifteen, sixteen years old. Yeah. <laughs> he just like did that kind of shit when he was in a booster seat. Yeah, I, you know, I do remember him laughing so hard he fell out of his. <laughs> he did. Out of his it was the scene face. when Buddy goes into the to the bathroom and he says, "These toilets are ginormous," and Matt laughed so hard he fell out of his seat. I've never seen someone fall out of a seat laughing at a movie, and there's just something even better about the fact that it was a booster seat. <laughs> so it just makes him look like a child. A child just falls to the ground because Elf is that good. I don't know, it's interesting. This is an interesting movie. It's about um, a little boy who accidentally gets abducted by Santa Claus and uh, is raised in the North Pole uh, until he's, I guess, in his mid-30s. If... Uh, yeah, I don't know why it took so long for them to figure this out. <laughs> um, and at that point, they reveal to him that he is actually a uh, a human, and he is sent back to, um, I think New York, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To meet to meet his his family, and uh, and it's about the hijinks he gets up to. Uh, I mean, it's just fortunate for him. He's he's sent down there right around Christmas time, so. He gets to, to do fun things like go to the mall and see the mall Santa Claus and call him a liar because he doesn't understand how how that stuff works and he's met the real Santa Claus. It's it's good times for uh, for everybody involved, right? Uh, I mean, James Conn has some troubles with it. The but bitter he, man he, who writes... He learns and grows. Publishes terrible children's books. Oh, yeah, that's right. I love it when they bring in Peter Dinklage. He's like the expert. He's like, I got a story about it. Whatever it was, like a, a carrot, something like that. And uh, and also, Zoe Deschanel's there. She works at a mm. mall. Blonde she, Zoe Deschanel. That's weird. And weird. Uh, they they form a romantic connection, even though um, Will Ferrell literally has the mind of a child. <laughs> I can't remember what she saw in him. Just his. Well, attitude. remember she's like really ashamed of her singing. But he was like, you're good at singing. <laughs> That's all it takes to get a woman. <laughs> That's all Zoe Deschanel wanted to hear. I mean, especially back then, before she had 
receive some success as a as a singer. That's all she ever wanted to hear. She just needed someone to tell her she was good. Even she if she does look weird in this movie with her blonde hair, she's sort of like Reese Witherspoony. Maybe they are like we need Reese Witherspoon <laughs> for cheaper. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Since you know this is John Favreau, he hasn't really done any other movies quite like this. Didn't he do that Zathura movie? Oh yeah. Uh, like, how is how is that like this? Well, it's a kid. It's for it's like kids. Kid oriented. It's got Dax Shepard. I don't know. Maybe it is. Haven't you seen Zathura, Sean? Yes, I have seen Zathura. And it's it's not comparable to Elf. I mean, it's 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 a kids movie, but there's no like childlike wonder to it. It's terrible. It's in space. How is that not a childlike wonder? Because they're terrified. Yeah, but it comes from a game. It's like a more fantasy art version of space. Yeah, I guess. It's space Jumanji. That's that's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> that's the most you know childlike thing I can imagine. Well, that's not, but it's, a, it's up there. Also, I don't know that there's really any rhyme or reason to John Favreau's filmography. Kind of all his movies are sort of <laughs> all over the place. I can't wait well, some get get the John Favreau box set. Comes didn't like he do? Cowboy hold on, didn't he do a Christmas movie with with Vince Vaughn? He acted in it. <laughs> he didn't direct that. No. Which which one was that? Was that Four Christmases? Yeah, where's his brother? Wasn't Fred Claus? <laughs> Vince Vaughn likes doing Christmas movies. I guess I didn't notice. No, he doesn't have to do that much. He just gets dressed comfortably and probably gets to eat a lot of snacks. Just make some wisecracks. Paul Giamatti was Santa Claus and Fred Claus, lest we forget. Yeah. I can dig it. But yeah, Elf. I mean, I, I feel like I've gotten a little annoyed with Elf fans over the years embracing it like it's so good. But I mean, I still like it. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't help that it's Will Ferrell, and I feel like I hate a lot of people that like Will Ferrell, like a lot. I mean, I like Will Ferrell a lot, but so many people were. I mean, Will Ferrell plays these man-child characters, so really stupid people tend to like. Oh, this totally speaks to me. Back to college. I'm also emotionally five years old. But if you can look past that, I think you know most people can enjoy this movie. Yeah, it's fun to watch him like pour a bunch of sugar on spaghetti. That's good. Everybody can enjoy that. Doesn't make sense because he's a human being. That should, and especially being as old as he is, it should be just ruining his stomach. <laughs> but whatever, it's fun. Yeah, there should have been a scene Elf where they take her to the doctor's like, if you don't stop eating carrot, you're going to die. <laughs> like this really dark like subplot where he's like his health is failing him. So it's been a while since I saw Elf. Um, I remember in the end he has to save Santa Claus f- somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what was going on there? His like sleigh was gonna crash or something. People didn't have enough Christmas spirit because that's what powers his his sleigh or something. Okay, like Thor. It's basically Thor, and uh, you know they people. They they gave up on believing in him. I can't remember why they gave up on believing him. It was Chris was it because of all the Peter Dinklage books? I don't know. It, just, it was hitting an all time low. But then he convinced everybody, even James Caan, his heart of stone. 
and uh, that gives Santa his powers back. Yeah. Right. And then he he decides to stay in New York. No, him and Zoe Deschanel moved to North Pole. Oh, well, that's not fair. <laughs> what do you mean that's not fair? Well, what if other people want to go to the North Pole? I don't know. Are you saying no. he just should have like, all right, you know, Santa's real, and let's all start meeting up and think, well, what's he supposed to do? Yeah. Come on, I want a spot at the North Pole. Just I want to start I'd work at the toy factory. North Pole, you know, in the rest of the United States. Santa will join the United they States. They would invite me to be the ambassador <laughs> to the North Pole. I didn't say you specifically, but I suppose. I take that job. <laughs> ambassador North Pole. You'd have nothing to do all year. <laughs> Um, well, I'd probably be looking at the, like, workshop and making sure that it's not, like, sweatshop conditions over there. Mm-hmm. You know, making sure that everyone is treated fairly and they get reasonable breaks and they're fairly compensated, that sort of stuff. I'm just saying they're not working on Christmas all year. Oh, uh, I'm pretty right. sure they are. All right. Got a few billion people to make toys for. You're saying Santa Claus doesn't just leave and go to, like, Phoenix to go golfing? Well, Santa does, but the elves don't get okay. to. Okay. So you're there to overlook all that. You notice in fiction... It's not fiction, really what an ambassador does, but I guess it's good enough. In fiction, um, Santa Claus always gives everybody one gift. Mm-hmm. Is that the way you were raised? You got one gift from Santa Claus? I feel like yeah. I got, But I don't know. It's usually there's definitely one big gift from Santa. Yeah, that's what it is for me. The one, the one big one. Like the PlayStation or the Game Boy would be for Santa. See, that's bullshit. Santa gives you a PlayStation, but can't get me an N64. Does he just not have the technology? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how to build that one. Because uh, well, in our in our house, it would always be, you know, your stocking was just full of stuff the next morning. Um, well, yeah, that stuff would be from Santa, I guess, too. In addition to the big present, I don't know. Santa would also hook me up with some magazines and some candy. Some, like, office supplies that my dad got cheap somewhere. <laughs> Last year I got a fat stack of pens, and I'm still using them. They're good pens. Ballpoint pens. Because my dad still keeps the pretense up for some reason. So many memories. Uh, especially probably the most memorable movie we ever have talked about on this podcast, Gremlins. Have at it, John. So many memories of Gremlins from when I was a child. Mostly, I was I was really af- afraid of this movie. It was scary. Those the Gremlins are scary looking. They're monsters. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, I just watched this movie for the first time like a couple weeks ago, and I did realize why. Because if I had watched it as a child, I would have been terrified. So I think my parents were wise to not show me gremlins as a kid. You know, it's violent, too. If you recall the scene where uh, the main character, Billy Peltzer's mom, is facing off against gremlins in their house. and Yeah, they get, like, like chopped up and, like, explode in the microwave. She puts one in the microwave and blows up. She puts one, I think, like, in a blender. And there's that one that just jumps out of the Christmas tree and she's, like, wrestling, or she's wrestling with the tree. Like, that is scary shit. Mm-hmm. Uh... But to backtrack a little bit, uh, Gremlins is, of course, about uh, Randall Peltzer, an inventor, played by singer-songwriter Hoyt Axton, for some reason, who's looking for the perfect gift for his son for Christmas, and he gets him 
a Chinese monster <laughs> called a Mogwai. Well, it's adorable. It is adorable. He doesn't know it turns into a monster, even though the old man warms him. You're like, you can't, can't get it wet. You don't want to feed it after midnight, which doesn't make that much sense because like, when does midnight end? But it's cool. It's Especially fun. if he got him in another part of the world. Do I think they make <laughs> the a joke about just, that? They gremlins adjust too, for so. time zones. In Gremlins Two, there's actually like the scene where there's like two pilots or something. And they're like, well, "What if you change time zones?" Yeah. Because that one's more self-aware. This one is um, comedic, but it's it's definitely dark too. It's a dark movie, and I think that's what I appreciate about it so much. Is it's so weird to see. I mean, on one hand, it's like, oh, it's Christmas, it's fun, but it's also like this weird kind of horror movie thrown into the mix. That's a really interesting tone for a Christmas movie, but... I, I mean, that's works. that's Joe Dante for you. I mean, his movies have always been kind of like live-action cartoons, but also they go kind of dark sometimes, too. And there's some great you know, creature effects in here. I love the score by Jerry Goldsmith and all the characters... It's so a Chris Columbus script, uh, which is interesting oh, really? because he went on to do Home Alone, and you know he's um, went on to direct like his Doubtfire. Hell yeah! Uh, so that's that's kind of interesting because it doesn't really seem like his other movies, and that it's it, it's a little edgier than his other his other stuff. But no, I mean I I just appreciate. I appreciate the humor. I appreciate the creativity of the creatures because you don't really see that too often. These, these, a movie that invents like a creature and has like all these rules for it. Yeah, that's what I love about a lot of uh, you know like vampires and stuff where there's all these weird rules. Yeah, it's like a mythology. And, and most movies, yeah, it's just like a giant beast and it's like, oh, I'll just shoot at it a bunch. It'll go down. <laughs> and here it's like sunlight and midnight and food and water. It's crazy. They get in their weird, gross egg things. <laughs> They're so gross. Is there any basis on that? Or is that just totally original? I think that's original. Of course, you know, the whole concept of gremlins, you know, comes from World War II when mm -hmm. they talk about creatures messing with, like, planes and everything. Uh, yep. So, I mean, that's, I guess they have, at least have the basis where we're going to do a movie about creatures that just troll everyone. <laughs> All the time, in very violent ways. Of course, my favorite being the one, the, the scene where they mess with that old woman's chair that's attached <laughs> to the stairs. We've actually talked about this before on the podcast. Do you like that scene, Kyle? Yeah, you know it's saying? pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> and she dies. She dies. Stupid bitch. Oh, man. Dude, that must have been interesting. You checking out for the you know the first time. I mean, it's been around for so long. I'm hoping that was a treat. No, it was. I I, I usually feel like if, if I ever go back and watch a kids movie at this age, it'll probably just not do much for me. But Gremlins is I like such a weird hard to classify movie that it, it's I think you can enjoy it at any age there you have it hmm? for people to check out gremlins great but should people if they've waited this long also check out home alone or is that window closed 
You know, Home Alone's weird because I always look back so fondly at Home Alone. Oh, it's it's uh, such a fun movie. And then I finally this year actually like was reading up on it, and I didn't realize it didn't even get like good reviews. I mean, it was a huge success, but most of the critics were like, "You're stupid." Like, and I was devastated because I always thought it was a classic. So I don't know. I mean, if you don't grow up with Home Alone, I don't know if people would still like it. I mean, it's a movie that definitely is a real life cartoon. Um, Absolutely. Because the the horrible things that are done to Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern would have critically injured them very early in the movie, if not straight up killed them. Yeah, they would have arrested the kid instead. <laughs> the kid is extremely dangerous. Macaulay Culkin in, uh, in the role that defined his life. I kind of wonder what that kid, Kevin McAllister, would grow up to be like. I feel like he'd be an evil mastermind. Yeah, like a, he'd be like the guy in Saw, basically, setting up all these traps. I want to see another Home Alone where it's got you know Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern to get, but they're in like some sort of murderous trap house. They're so old. I just want to die. <laughs> just kill me already. But Home Alone is is one of those movies for me where I mean I I love I love all the traps, but I also like. I just imagine, what if I was that kid? And what if I, you know, ordered a pizza by using a tape recorder? Or, like, you know, he, like, would play a TV and then stop, like, from some gangster movie. And then there's the scene where, like, the criminals are, like, driving by the house and he has all the, uh, like, cardboard cutouts, like, in the window. So it looks like there's a party going on. And you just, as a kid, you just kind of imagine yourself in all these scenarios. And what you do if the house was just, like, your toy store even though I don't think most kids could pull that kind of shit off. Uh, God, you just reminded me of the Home Alone 2, the talk boy thing. Oh, God, didn't you want that so bad? Oh, God, I want it so bad. But, of course, the, the real thing wasn't as cool as it was in the movie. Yeah. I remember my cousins had it. What were those? It was... Like, uh, I remember them. I just don't remember what they did. Did they just record your voice? Yeah, it was a tape player with a microphone, so you could record stuff and play it back. Uh, couldn't you, like, play it back with, like, a different voice or something? I want to say he did that to use it. Oh, yeah. They, you, like, pitch it oh, in a different oh, way. Oh, like, oh, that sounds like an adult. Bird, what he says. <laughs> to this weird voice where I can't see where it's coming from. <laughs> but no, I love, I love the hijinks. Dark. That's what this movie is all about. Yeah. And I think the story, it's definitely got heart to it. Like, that creepy old man who lives next door, but you find, oh, he's a nice guy. He saves the day. I mean, it's a John Hughes script. So, there's definitely some some heart in there and some good humor. I think it's I think it's good. I'm a big fan. Yeah, th that sad part is weird. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, like feeling. What are these emotions? Yeah, I, well, that's how exactly how I felt as a kid. Was like, I don't want to go through this right now. I just want to see him beat up a grown men. You don't want to feel things as a kid. <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, it's pretty heartfelt. The old man thing, definitely. And then when he's reunited with his family. I mean, that's fine. And I feel like the John Williams score really brings it all home, too. That's a really good score. I've always loved the main theme, because I, I, I could totally imagine it in like a Harry Potter movie. That's why it's my dream to like, take all of John Williams' scores and like mix and match them with different movies. But, you know, a man can dream. And that's all it will ever be. 
And on that dark note, let's talk about It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, we're, we're talking about movies that make you feel things. It's a Wonderful Life will bring any man to his knees and just tears to his eyes. I mean, in a good way. It's heartwarming. Yeah, I don't know if, if I would be, if I would say being brought to your knees is... is... <laughs> that's more of a overcome with grief than or like a religious thing (laughs) it's like a religious experience yeah you brought to your knees seeing this town come together to help this man george Mm -hmm. uh bailey who's given everything for this town all his dreams he wants to travel but he's always putting it off to help people and he's finally just like yeah fuck it i want something to happen for me so well it's because everything in his life doesn't turn out well But a good chunk of it does. Yeah. And he has to be shown to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty dark, though. He's like, can I jump off a bridge? I feel like that'd be dark for a movie today. And uh, for the 40s, yeah. Pretty impressive. But then, you know, they get some angels in there. Clarence. I can appreciate that. A little twist of fantasy. In a way, kind of like a... Like a like a play on a Christmas Carol, kind of looking back at his his life. Except, it, I mean, it's different than that. A Christmas Carol is like, look how much of an asshole you are. <laughs> this is kind yeah. of like the opposite. But you know, he's got to learn. He learns to appreciate what he has, and then people come together and help him. I can't remember all the logistics and the plot and everything because it has to, a lot to do with finance, mm-hmm. like banks closing and stuff. That's a kind of a gray area right now. Um, I remember there being well, but he was he was like the local bank. That was the whole thing is they wanted to like let some evil giant corporation, Mr. Potter, take over, and they're like, no, don't you understand? You're doing you're doing God's work, son. I remember the movie having one of the most devious villains of all time in Mr. Potter, Lionel Barrymore. It's just ugh, you hate him so much, and I feel like I've always been kind of disappointed that I don't feel like at the end he gets screwed over enough. I feel like we've talked about, I don't remember where or why, that we like wish it'd end with Mr. Potter like getting killed somehow. I don't know. There's that one SNL skit where they do like an alternate ending to It's a Wonderful Life. And they just like beat the shit out of him. I I want like George Bailey to throw him off a bridge. (laughs) The whole town just follows him as he rolls them through the town over to the bridge and they, they, they band together them. and they're all cool with it like in the yeah. end of Roadhouse like when the town comes together to kill all the bad guys <laughs> like, yeah. what's going on here and like I didn't see nothing the whole town <laughs> just laughs heartily I would have appreciated that he needs to get his he's just less powerful by the end but you know it's pretty good how it does it hmm why did he want to commit suicide? I feel like he just lost like all his money. He couldn't couldn't support his family. Maybe he's got like insurance, so they're like, "You're like I can do it that way." But no, that that, that, that sounds right. Because like at the end of the movie, everyone gives him money. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yes, awesome." Like, <laughs> 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 it's a wonderful life. It has like, just like yes. Yes, awesome. Awesome. And he just like fist bumps his brother. 
Like, yeah. That's what it'd be like if they made that weird sequel they were talking about a while back. Like, what if we did a sequel that's Wonderful Life? Like, it's like grandson. Really weird. I don't know why anyone would want that. They're not going to do that, though, right? I, I don't think. I don't think canceled it. Because <laughs> everyone's like, uh... Because I feel like like Paramount or something like had the rights to It's a Wonderful Life, even though there was another studio that announced they were going to make this sequel because they just assumed that it was still in the public domain, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah, we could do It's a Wonderful Life sequel. Sure. It's in the public <laughs> domain. <laughs> but it wasn't. I love that they announce all of that nationally before doing any research. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty bad. This movie's so good. Yeah. Frank Capra doing his thing. I mean, you know, movie's special when it's that old and they still put it on TV and people still talk about it and a lot of people have seen it. Yeah. So, people it's got the magic. Movies. It's got so much magic. Do, when, it, when, when we watched it, did it. Was it any different than you expected it to be? Was there, was there some perception you had just because of the movies and culture that that was different from the reality of the movie? Um, no, I mean I think what it was what I thought it was going to be, and that was that was good. So yeah, I think for the me, first time I did see it was with you guys. So for me, I, I definitely felt like the there was way more plot than I thought there was going to be. I thought like he was going to be on the bridge in the very first second of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it was just going to be like, look how great humanity is. And instead, it's it's really, you know, it's about this guy's life. Whole life, yeah. And it's, it's cool. It's a cool story. I mean, he lived at a, at a turbulent time. They talk about World War II and stuff. It's cool. It's, you know, there's so much detail in that. Is, is it based on a... Oh, it's based on a short story. I was wondering, because I was like, well, there's a lot. There's a lot here. So, that's cool. Um, Yeah. Magical experience, just like our next uh, movie, Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way. Why was this our obsession for a period of time in high school? It's fun. What are you talking about? It's <laughs> fucking great. It's just weird that that one in particular. Like we were always, we've always been a fan of Arnold movies, and the Arnold comedies were like this weird phenomenon. It's like, why do these exist? But this one, especially. I remember us watching a lot. Was it just because it was the weirdest of all those? I mean, and no, it's it can't super be. super weird. I don't know. This is the only one where a, a terrorist act is committed and it's played off as slapstick. <laughs> There's a scene in this movie where Sinbad, Sinbad delivers a bomb from the mail to a radio station and it explodes. And then, like a cartoon, everyone walks in, walks out, like all blackened but fine. They've got like black soot on their faces. Yeah. They're like, whoops. Yeah. What do kids walk away with if we were watching that? Like, oh, that's a good idea to get what you want. <laughs> Just plant bombs everywhere. Yeah, this movie is like the slapstick in this is crazy. Like, I think my probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is when he punches a ring here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, how could you forget is it did phil hartman have like one get like a ring here i guess because he was just so into the christmas spirit and uh i guess arnold just couldn't help but take out all of the anger that he felt for phil hartman on that reindeer so he, just, reindeer. he 
if, if Phil the, Hartman's playing one of those classic characters of like the guy who's just like really good at Christmas. You know, he's kind of like the Ned Flanders, like except he's he's a little a little seedy. Um, but he's like, like, I've I've got all the perfect presents for my kid, and we're putting up the lights, and we got eggnog, and even got a reindeer to come by. And and Arnold's just so pissed at him because he's he's barely holding it together, because uh, he's such a workaholic, right? Mm-hmm. Or is that the Santa Claus? He was a workaholic. I don't remember what his job was. I just remember he says, uh, "Like you're you're my favorite customer" or something like that. And then he accidentally says it to his wife, and it's so embarrassing. Oh, oops! <laughs> this is one of those movies. I was talking about this a little bit earlier, where I feel like. The fact that Arnold is playing just like some regular guy doesn't work for me. Like I almost feel like the more interesting story is how does this family have this hulking Austrian father? Like how often do you see that? Why like, is he so ripped? Like it's just, it's it's so weird to me. And then to see him like try to like, be a father, you know, in this domestic situation where he goes Christmas shopping. I mean, he doesn't handle it very well. He loses his shit all the time. It's filled with rage constantly. So many great lines. Taking it out on Jim Belushi and Chris Parnell. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I think... Oh, what's one, what are some great lines? I'm definitely one of my favorites is, I'm not perfect. I was just looking for Turbo Man. <laughs> it's not even like I was just looking for a Turbo Man doll. It's, I'm just looking for Turbo Man doll. Well, and you're bringing up a good point here, because that is this something that any other movie has done as well, uh, uh, capturing, and that and that's the the idea of of like the one Christmas gift, the hot Christmas gift of of the year that everyone wants, and and the desperate, insane consumer culture of America where people will go to ridiculous lengths and pay, uh, you know, insane amounts of money just to acquire something in time for the holiday. I feel like there's no other movie that, that yeah. does that kind of story. I mean, honestly, I feel like it's a pretty good concept for a movie. It's just everything else is approached in the most cartoonish way <laughs> that it makes it so stupid. Because, I mean, that idea was taken, I believe, uh, someone, maybe one of the writers or a producer or something, was trying to get the sweet Buzz Lightyear toy that was out, you know, the previous winter from Toy Story trying to get that for his kid and that was so crazy and hard to get that and he's like hey what if you know we did a movie about that do you know who that was John no who was it that was Chris Columbus are you are you you serious yeah so what was Chris Columbus is he a producer what did he do he he produced this movie he's just like the ultimate Christmas filmmaker apparently I had no idea he's like the Tim Allen but of behind the scenes (laughs) Doesn't really work into very, very well, but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And I mean, we like it. We get we get together every now and then and watch it. We watch just. I feel like just last, maybe last Christmas or the Christmas before that, and still had fun. <laughs> you bought it on DVD. I have the you? family fun edition. That's what it's called. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just some weird fascination we have with this movie. I mean, I remember there's that one time where we watched it. I don't know how many times we watched it, but I remember waking up at 7 a.m. and watching it again. Because <laughs> it was like a sleepover, and we couldn't get to sleep. So we're just like, well, how about we just watch Jiggle all the way again? 
Yeah, right? No one else has ever said. <laughs> it's got it all. It's got action. It's got comedy. Uh, it's got animal cruelty. Animal cruelty. A little, a little hint of romance. Sweet part where he dresses up like Turbo Man. He's like in a jetpack, but like runs out of juice. And he's like, whoa! Flies really high. <laughs> like he should have died. There's a lot of the lack yeah. of oxygen. Wouldn't that be a much better scene where like a frozen and like suffocated Arnold Schwarzenegger plummets from the sky in a Turbo Man costume? Yeah. Jingle all the way to hell. Okay, I think we've got his poster going with Jingle all the way. Uh, how do you guys feel about Miracle on 34th Street? It's so heartwarming. Uh, 180. What? We're, we're just pulling a total 180 from Jingle all the way. That's Alphabet not heartwarming. Are weird. Jingle all the way is not heartwarming at all. Um, do you guys watch this one every year? I, You know, I try to. I've only seen it once. Because I think it it might it might be my favorite movie to watch every year. Because I, I, I they don't like marathon it all year, so I, I don't feel like it's always kind of a new experience seeing it again. And I think what makes it so great is probably Edmund Gwen's uh, performance as Chris Kringle. He won an Oscar for this, didn't he? And I believe he did, best supporting actor, which is crazy. Like, how many people can say they won an Oscar for playing Santa Claus? <laughs> Not, not Tim Paul Allen. Giovanni. <laughs> Paul Giovanni. Not yet. Yeah. You could do it again. And there's so many heartwarming sequences, like when he's, like speaking little. There's a little foreign girl who just wants to meet Santa Claus so bad, but you know she doesn't speak English. But then he, I can't remember if she's Dutch or whatever. But he then he speaks that language. You're like, oh, you know, they have all these little, cute little scenes like that. And I also love the fact that in a way this is like the most ridiculous premise if you think about it. like the last half of the movie is really really weird if you think about it i mean macy's hires this old guy who says his name is chris Stringle to be their store santa and and then a, basically they have a whole trial basically like to decide whether or not he's insane and uh, that they have proof that he's santa claus and basically all he has is that everyone's like oh he looks like santa claus and then they have all those letters <laughs> that are addressed to him and then the fact that it ends with them being like, well, you're Santa Claus. And then you just got to think about like some of the implications of what that could mean later on. Does that mean like he's legally allowed to break into people's <laughs> houses? <laughs> or like, or if he gets all these letters and doesn't deliver gifts, like are they going like, to go after him? Like the cops? Because like he's not fulfilling his, 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 his duty. Like that whole part. This movie, like legally, I feel like is a nightmare. But I mean, of course, Santa Claus exists in a legal gray area. He's a he's a vigilante, like <laughs> Batman. Yeah, he's basically like Batman. But I mean, that, I think that's what, what's so great about this movie is all that is so ridiculous and doesn't make any sense. But you don't really care because of the whimsy and you like the characters and it's very sweet. I always like movies that can take on a ridiculous premise, but you're not really thinking about that. It's kind of in the back of your mind because. There's so much more to appreciate. It's an interesting story about, like, the the warmth of humanity and and kindness, and the power that that can have. I mean, I remember there's a big part where, like, Macy's is all about the fact that Chris Kringle told someone to go somewhere else because he can buy something a little cheaper somewhere else, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Well, that's 
That'll be our whole new marketing thing, is you can go to Macy's and we'll tell you to go somewhere else. Uh, but it, it's a story of, of, of human kindness, which is is pretty good. I mean, that's that's really in the spirit of Christmas, right? When Absolutely. It gets down to it. It's, it's good to have a movie to celebrate that. Of course, there's also It's a Wonderful Life doing the same thing. But this one is intensely Christmas. I mean, this is just... It's like right after Thanksgiving to Christmas, right? Yeah. He's on there, you know, Macy's Day Parade float. Just walks off the street. Because the guy they have is, like, super drunk. <laughs> Hilarity ensues. How do you guys feel about the remake? Have you ever seen the remake? There's a remake? I saw it as a kid. In the 90s. Stars Richard Attenborough. Yeah. Really? It's got like Matilda. Dylan McDermott. I, I never really liked that one as much. I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know. Yeah, it's been so long. I, I wouldn't know. Co-written by John Hughes. Hmm. All these connections. I think we're finding out who in Hollywood just loves Christmas. <laughs> Basically just John Hughes, Chris Columbus, and Tim Allen. Vince Vaughn, you know, he's doing Christmas movies, but you know he's just doing it so he can relax. Yeah. He's not he's not in the true spirit of Christmas. He's just like, I just want to kick back and have, you know. That's Get fun. paid. Get paid. That's all I want for Christmas. Big fat pancake. <laughs> That, that could be a Christmas movie where he just plays himself and he has to learn the true meaning of Christmas isn't just getting paid for making bad Christmas movies. Is Tim Allen in that too? Oh, maybe. I'm maybe. sure Tim Allen gets it. Yeah. He knows what's that. I feel like Tim Allen's Christmas movies, I mean, maybe not all of them are good. Probably only one of them is even remotely good. But I feel like his heart's in the right place. At least I hope it is. It, at least it was for the first uh, big Christmas movie did, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah. But now let's let's talk about uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. There's a lot of versions of Christmas Carol, but I feel like this is the one that was around when we were kids. It's probably the one I've seen the most. I don't know if it's the one you guys have seen the most. No, definitely. I watched this one a lot as a kid. and it on VHS. I watched this one a lot too as a kid, but I haven't seen it since I was very young. It's probably the only Muppet movie that I really have strong memories of seeing. Though Michael I have seen Kane, Muppets right? from Space. Yeah, it's my It's hard for me now to imagine Michael Caine being like the most hated man. <laughs> yeah. But back then that's like that's what I knew him for. <laughs> I mean he does a great job. He's a th- he's you know, master thespian. And there's just there's just something really interesting about seeing him surrounded by puppets. <laughs> it 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 works surprisingly well. Yeah, it does. I feel like they do capture like the the Dickensian feel of of the 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 story pretty well, despite all the puppets hanging around. It's, it's not weird to me. Yeah. And do, do I remember a handful of songs in that one? Yeah. There's definitely the only one I can ever remember is they have Marley, but it's like two guys. And yeah, it's, that's the one I remember too. Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> <laughs> they feel like aren't as funny as usual. They're just yeah. kind of scary. There's like well, Marley and Marley. I remember that song for some reason. It really stuck with me. 
Maybe because there's just something so interesting to me about seeing ghost puppets. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, a puppet can die. Are the puppeteers also ghosts? (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to go to the Muppet Christmas Carol forums and see if people are talking about that. What was the puppeteer of Muppet, you know? He's dead. But, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty... Aside from the fact that it's a movie populated by puppets, it's, I feel like it's a pretty standard take on the story, and it follows all the, the same, you know, the beats that we all enjoy. And it's heart in the right place. And but it's funny and kid-friendly. Yeah, it's kid-friendly. It just looks really good to the eye, you know. It's just really appealing for so many different reasons. Yeah, it's good. Uh, another kids movie that is maybe not as appealing for some kids is uh, Nightmare Before Christmas because it's pretty scary. I th- I think I saw this one in theaters, which is crazy for me to think because that's like 1993. Wow. You know, that's like 20 years ago. <laughs> I definitely remember, though, going there and being incredibly scared by the scene where Jack Skellington, the, you know, Halloween Town king or whatever pumpkin uh becomes santa claus and he's he's given all the kids their presents in the real world and that one kid gets a shrunken head they're like what did you get for christmas and he lifts up a shrunken head i just remember being i was like this is the scariest thing i've ever seen (laughs) this is so wrong i want to leave but the movie is almost over so i made it all the way through i mean it is pretty uh pretty creepy i mean it's tim burton yeah it's got his well produced wrote and actually direct it's got his stamp of approval on it though did you guys ever feel like conflicted when you're supposed to watch this like what time of year i just watched it the one time so you've only seen it once i've only seen it once too and it was like later in life like i was in college when i watched it okay so i I got you I was in elementary school. Yeah, they yeah. show it on TV, like, off and on. I don't know. I mean, if you guys watch more ABC Family, you probably know about that. But <laughs> I watch zero ABC Family, <laughs> so I don't know about that. I mean, I think the reason it stuck with me is I love the animation style. The stop motion looks really good. It's got kind of a timeless feel to it. It, it never will, I don't think it will ever look really old. There's, there's, there's something really appealing about that. And it's the story, I think, is pretty unique. I mean, you have all these different worlds where they celebrate different holidays all the time, basically. And what happens when two of those worlds cross over? You got this like misinterpreting the holiday and what it's all about, and then finding out, you know, what it's all about and finding out your place in the world. And that, that's, so yeah, it's got a nice heart underneath all that. And the songs, the songs are great. It seems to be the defining movie of uh, Henry Selleck's career. People like him. That's cool. Sure. I got nothing to say about this. I, like I said, I saw it when I was a kid. Um, I remember liking it, but not not that much, I guess. I mean, I think the only knock against it for this list is that, I mean, it's 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 about Christmas. It's called Nightmare Before Christmas, but it's also you could argue, oh, it's a Halloween movie. I mean, the movie came out in October. Well, it's set. In Halloween Town, but it's about them learning the meaning of Christmas. So any any movie about that, it's got to be a Christmas movie. All right. 
Well, let's let's move on to a movie that I'm sure you remember more fondly from your youth. Santa Claus. The Santa Claus. So, this is about the curse of Santa, um, because Tim Allen is a recently divorced father who's uh, taking care taking care of his son, uh, and they accidentally murder Santa Claus, and so he fills in and delivers gifts for Christmas, uh, only to find out that because he's done that, he's become the new Santa Claus. And it's it's the story of, of his first year, uh, basically ending his human life and becoming Saint Nicholas. It's fucking sweet. I'm all mad. <laughs> I don't know. If it's fucking sweet. <laughs> it's it's creative. I'll give it that. I mean, any movie that begins or at least relatively close to the beginning has Santa dying and being replaced by Tim Allen. It is kind of sad though. This guy. Has to give up his his actual life in order to become Santa Claus. No, because you see, over the course of the year, he's all about it. He loves. I mean, at first he resists the fact that like he grows a huge beard and he can't shave it off because it grows back instantly. And like, you know, he works out all the time and eats healthy. He just gets super fat. You see, that's like, that, to me that's disturbing. He's just and like I, wearing sweatpants to work, that, and Peter Boyle's yelling at him. Where he like goes to his kid's soccer game or something, and they like see him. And they're talking about how, like, you're, like, changing your appearance to try to win him over, trying to look like Santa Claus. It's like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're crazy. That's right. Gosh, they're, you know, they're totally, I I agree with them all the way here. Because Judge Reinhold, uh, who who has married um, Tim Allen's ex-wife. Judge Reinhold's also in Gremlins. He also appreciates Christmas. He's he's a (laughs) psychiatrist. So he's totally, like, you got real problems, Tim Allen. And uh, you, you, in the end, he like gets him arrested, I think. Uh, but it's 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 okay because there's a secret uh, elf team that comes and busts him out. That's that's sort of the fun of of this movie early on is when he they goes to the North, the North Pole and sees the the reality of of of, of the whole operation and like uh, elves are these immortal children who. Who can like beat people up? I guess. <laughs> See, this is all interesting to me, but at the same time, it's all kind of disturbing. You know, I think of him and his board meeting, eating all that food, and yeah, it's funny for us, but like the people in that scene, are like God, at least just destroying himself, <laughs> or going to the doctor. He's got the weird like heartbeat. It's like Christmas songs, and I mean, it's fun for the audience, but I just feel like I keep thinking about all the other characters in the movie, and they see this man who looks like he's just falling apart. <laughs> like, this could have easily been a drama, you know? It could have been Robert De Niro in The Santa Claus. I think it could, but you got to remember the most... Uh, the Scott Calvin, the Tim Allen's character, he's, he's, like, pretty about what's going on like this the second movie is all about him finding a mrs claus third movie is about how we he's need gotta, to talk about the other two he's got to regain his powers <laughs> have you seen them all i've seen them all and i want to know how are they they're bad except <laughs> for the first one first one's fucking sweet like how bad <laughs> like the second one is pretty bad like two stars tops and uh santa claus three the escape clause uh <laughs> This is shit. It's terrible. <laughs> it's got, 
It's kind of got a uh, a Nightmare Before Christmas aspect to it because Martin Short is Jack Frost, and uh, there's like this whole council of like fairies and and holiday people. Um, so like uh, like Father Time is there and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. They all like get together for a meeting, and of course Santa Claus is like. You know, he's like the fawns of that group. Everyone just really thinks he's awesome. Um, but Jack Frost is totally jealous, so he, like, freezes him out and takes over. And Scott Calvin's, like, just becomes a man again. He's got to get his powers back. And it sucks. <laughs> Sorry. John, you want to talk about uh, Jack Frost? <laughs> I do want to talk about Jack Frost. But Sean was talking about Jack Frost in... The third Santa Claus movie, I immediately started thinking about the Michael Keaton movie, Jack Frost, which is, to me, one of the weirdest movies ever. It's basically a movie where Michael Keaton plays in this shitty blues rock band, like, plays harmonica, and the movie opens with, like, one of their gigs, like the Jack Frost band or something. <laughs> Mark Addy plays keyboards, and there's, like, this guy who's like, dude, we gotta sign these guys, they're so hot! I'm like, that's never happened in the history of ever. Like, some 40-year-olds play blues rock and then are, like, get a big contract. But because he's always maybe, on the Maybe, like, road. Bruce Willis's band. Bruce. But just because Bruce Willis is in it. Yeah, I guess so. But <laughs> basically, his band's on the road all the time. He's always missing his kids, like, hockey games and stuff. Oh, and by the way, this kid's hockey coach is Henry Rollins. <laughs> I just... <laughs> He had to take it. It just spoke to him. Oh, you kids, off. you gotta rise up off. Yeah, so he basically just screaming at him the whole time. But you know, Michael Keaton's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'll try to be around there more often." But then he's in a car accident that kills him. But he like merges with the snow. But it doesn't happen till I feel like his son has like his harmonica that he left him before he goes on a trip and like plays it, and it's magical. And it brings him back as a snow band. But what's so weird is I, I, he doesn't like, I don't feel like they do anything. He just kind of walks around and he's like, oh my God, you're a snowman. And there's a scene where they snowboard and then he's like dead. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of like, and he, there should be like, if they really wanted to make it entertaining, there'd be scenes where he's like hiding him around the house and he's melting and he's trying to think of what to do. But they really weren't creative with it at all. And which is too bad to do with a snowman. That's the thing. He doesn't have legs. He has two sticks for arms. Basically, he just kind of teaches the kid to like, oh, if bullies ever come up to you. Well, that's how Michael Keaton talks. (laughs) Come on, do you like If bullies ever come to you, you should uh, throw a bunch of snowballs at him and uh, beat him in a snowboard contest and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's like he teaches him the worst lesson. (laughs) Because he can't do anything. He's a snowman. It's, you know, it's it's so stupid. And here's another fun fact. This is kind of unrelated, but um, Michael Keaton wasn't their first choice for the snowman. It was George Clooney. And they started designing the snowman before Michael Keaton was cast. So if you look at that snowman's face, you can kind of see George Clooney in it. Just a little bit. You know, look at Jack Frost and tell me that you can't imagine that George Clooney's voice coming out of that thing. I'm on it right now. I'm looking it up. I mean, I'm going to look it up, too. It's funny, like I, that they went from who's the next, who's next in line after George Clooney, Michael Keaton. Oh, makes sense to me. 
Like that snowman totally has George Clooney eyebrows. I don't remember why it had eyebrows. Well, that was the prerequisite. that you just had to have played Batman. Their third choice was Val Kilmer. <laughs> Val Kilmer's probably like the right shape too to uh, play Jack Frost. <laughs> the animatronic's good. I'll give it that. Nothing else about this movie is really good. It's just one of those kind of anomalies. Like, why does this exist? This is so weird. Nothing really happens. I feel like at the end of the movie, you know, the kid accepts that, oh, well, my dad was never there for me, but he's taught me a few lessons, so it's okay now that he's dead. Um, and well, I guess Mark Addy could be my dad now. So I Really? Like Mark, Mark Addy? Yeah, because he's like, um, he was Michael Keaton's best friend in the band and everything, and he still kept in touch with the family after he died. And it, so he just if takes I over his family? He basically takes over his family at the end. He's like, I'm going to be your dad now. <laughs> And then you have Jack Frost. One of the icon theaters. <laughs> but is is there much Christmas to it, or is it just a winter movie? You know, there's some Christmas to it, but it's not the folk, focal point. It's definitely, I mean, it's around Christmas time. And uh, where was it set? I feel like there was something, something funny about that. I don't know. I often get this movie mixed up with uh, the the other Jack Frost from the 90s about the killer snowman. Because <laughs> I watched those together last year, so now they like kind of blur together a little bit. Um, that 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 crappy one is actually, I'd say, more superior. Because it's, it's, it's funny. This one's just, like, wrong. <laughs> so wrong. And we can strike her from the list. Okay. making time. Let's see, how many do we have? Twelve. Uh, so I'm, am I hearing that you don't guys, you guys aren't that big on the Santa Claus? I mean, I know you have a connection to it, but uh, I mean, I'm not. Honestly, I'm not that big on it. Okay. Um, so we can, if I bump that, we just need to bump one more. We can buy uh, bunk or I can't even speak. Nightmare Before Christmas, probably. Okay. Just because you guys have only seen it once. Um, if we're gonna keep using that, like, haven't seen it in a while, metric, uh, Home Alone, and a Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, you can put those in whatever order you want. I put Muppet Christmas Carol at ten, and Home Alone. Even though I'm a fan, I could put that at nine because apparently it's not supposed to be a good movie. <laughs> but I like it anyways. Well, when was the last time you saw it? I saw it last year. You still liked it? You like yeah. It? Well, f- fuck the critics. It's mm-hmm. just weird because I Speak usually true to agree yourself. with them. Mm. Uh, I, I wonder how far we're going to go with Jingle All the Way because it's not actually a good movie. Oh, yeah. It's pretty bad. Uh, it's going to go pretty far. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess we can also put Bad Santa lower because even though I think it's good, it's, it's these movies, you know, like, oh, they make me feel so happy. They, they're in the Christmas spirit, and that one is – so, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'd say mean spirited, but it doesn't quite feel like a Christmas movie in the same way as some of these others. I'm okay with that. The movie didn't resonate with me so much. Okay. So I can put it down the. Sure. You're okay with that call? Yeah, that's fine. Even so though I think eight. that all of these should be higher than Jiggle all the way. But <laughs> again, Sean, it's a bad higher. movie. Yeah, Sean apparently thinks it's a top tier material. I me, mean, if you. This is my 
I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of this list as like, what Christmas movie am I going to watch? Mm-hmm. And if, if you're me, you're going to watch Die Hard or, or Jingle All the Way. <laughs> I will only watch Jingle All the Way if you guys force me to, like you did two years ago. <sighs> Just when I get that's kind of fun, I guess. Well, I'm sure Nancy would be here talking about how great that movie is, too. If he could be here. Yeah. He could. You know, I'm not that excited about Elf being really high. You're not? Mm, yeah. It's good. It doesn't have to be. Okay. So number seven, then? Sure. Elf. I don't know about this whole jiggle all the way creeping up on the list. How do you feel about this, Colin? I'm kind of conflicted here. I just told you. It, it yeah, should be, like, way lower than it is going to be, but well, Sean just likes it so much. And we just have this weird just love for this movie that's not we're, good. We're letting him do it so far. There, there, there are some yeah. movies... So maybe maybe we're in agreement with Sean and we just don't want to admit it. I don't know. There are some movies that, that you know, are about Christmas and about what Christmas should be. And then there are other movies that are about what Christmas is really like. Like, what, what, is, what is Christmas really like? And it's, it's about presents, right? And that's what... Uh, Jingle All the Way and uh, Christmas Story really nail is is, mm. is is that gifts man it's all about the gifts alright and in that vein I think you probably and I can I can relate to that way more than I can yeah. relate to Gremlins I was just gonna say yeah that I guess that's probably not the most relatable Christmas story I don't know maybe for somebody somebody some town's gone through that <laughs> I don't think they'd want to relive the horror by watching Gremlins it's probably a true story that's one of those things you'd want to convince a kid who's seeing it for the first time that this really happened and that they're real. That's the way what my mom did. <laughs> I'm sure my mom could. Yeah, she did. She totally convinced me that gremlins were real. That's not a good thing. <laughs> Always be afraid. Hmm. See, this is tricky because we got some pretty good movies, and then one in particular. Pretty bad movie. <laughs> what do you suggest next, John? Mm. You can't possibly say that any of these are worse than Jiggle the Way. I'm not saying they're worse. Or even deserve to be lower. I mean, it's top five. That's impressive in, a, in and of itself. Fine, we don't have to argue. I mean, the how far the you, would, would you plan on going with this? For me, it's top two. But in the spirit of the season, I'll we'll put it at number five. Oh, God. Uh, hmm. Gosh, you know, I know my favorite is probably not everybody's favorite, so I don't know. It's a miracle on 34th Street? You know, I, th- I think my favorite's probably a Christmas story. But, uh... I'm I'm flexible here. Like you're saying, in the spirit of the season, I'm willing to. Uh, so I'm open to any suggestions. I mean, I like all these, so any order would probably work for me. Okay. If anyone has any. Well, I'm I'm actually thinking of this because uh, I remember like early on when we were doing the blog, you did a top ten of the Christmas movies. And I remember you put a Christmas story at number one, and your reasoning was because it was so inherently about Christmas, whereas, uh, you know, It's a Wonderful Life isn't completely about sort of 
the holiday and what it what it uh, you know evokes in people where Christmas story is. Yeah, I mean so every scene is about Christmas and it's called a Christmas yeah. story, so and it captures that it is a holiday most of all for kids. Yeah. For your inner child. I mean, that's I think why it resonates so much with me is because I feel like Christmas is most special for children. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's the most accurate of you know, the depiction of the of a child's experience experiences around Christmas time. Um, that doesn't help us flesh out the other other spots, but that's so, am I hearing for it being high. It's a wonderful. I mean, it's a wonderful life and Die Hard both are movies set around Christmas, but not really about it. Uh, and then Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street and a Christmas Story are both about Christmas. Yeah, you know, at this point, um, I, I probably, I probably go Die Hard four. Yeah, me too. Because I think it is maybe one the greatest action movie of all time, but not really a Christmas movie. <laughs> sure about that. Yeah, I'm sure I'll stand by that. I mean, I feel like you titled this holiday-adjacent movies just so you could put Die Hard in there, because it is, you know, Christmas is just kind of happening on the fringes of, of this movie. You guys. You're so old. You, what? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to say Die Hard's bad. Just saying in the context of this list. I'm old? What does that have to do with anything? Going with these sappy movies now, huh? Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, Christmas Story. Where's your heart, Sean? Christmas is we're... kind of a sappy My heart holiday. is blowing up. Your heart is blowing up. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a packet of C4 dropping down an elevator shaft. That's my heart. My heart didn't even open anywhere remotely near Christmas. I'm just saying. It could be on Halloween and be the exact same movie. Oh, it'd be different in a pretty cool way. <laughs> Maybe that's what they should have done with all the sequels. Each one's on a different holiday. I'd see those movies. I would too. Um, maybe. I don't know, actually. Okay. Uh, well, if we're going off the basis of like how Christmassy something is, I'd probably go to Wonderful Life 3. I mean, it's such a classic movie, but uh, like how much of it has to do with Christmas... Yeah, okay. So, okay, so at this point, if it's down to A Christmas Story and Miracle on 34th Street, it's kind of like we're deciding between do we prefer the movie that's about Christmas as it is or Christmas as it should be? How do you guys feel about that? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I entirely understand what it should be. Because The Christmas Story is all about this Kris Kringle character and him teaching everybody to go to not just Macy's all the time, but Christmas Story. It, I mean, just... It's still about togetherness in its own way. You know that mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, they all have you know thank or they have Christmas dinner at that weird Chinese restaurant and everything. I mean, he I feel like he sees that. I don't know actually. It's got a lot of stuff going on there. I guess I guess I see where you're coming from. I see where you're coming uh, from, but I would say on that basis, I like the Christmas story better. I think I do too. I like that it captures the minutia of you know how we as people experience Christmas each year. 
just in these tiny sort of funny and peculiar ways. It's great. You earned that 24-hour marathon, you know, slot somehow. People get it. So our top 10 uh, Christmas movies. Number 10, A Muppet Christmas Carol. Number 9, Home Alone. Number 8, Bad Santa. Number 7, Elf. Number 6, Gremlins. Number 5, Jingle All the Way. Number 4, Die Hard. Number 3, It's a Wonderful Life. Number 2, Miracle on 34th Street. And number 1, A Christmas Story. The movie you can see. Uh, in the coming weeks as the Christmas holiday arrives uh, in fact I bet if you haven't seen uh, any of these movies it, w- it will not be difficult for you to find them on uh, cable television uh, if you're willing to put in just the most minimal level of effort um, and that's kind of I guess the flaw with this list in, in closing I, I guess it's uh, I don't think we really we dug too deep into it, uh, so I'm, I'm going to propose this. How about next year we do a top ten Christmas episodes of TV shows? Sounds pretty interesting, right? Well, yeah, because that way we could, I guess, incorporate the Christmas specials like Charlie Brown and Rudolph yeah. and stuff. I think that sounds fun. Um, only a year to go for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, uh, keep it tuned to uh, our iTunes feed or mildlypleased.com. Uh, and um, if if all else fails, uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Bye. We're Marley and Marley, avarice and greed. We took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you 